1: Hey everybody and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you for listening and making a commitment to learning. We hope everybody is doing well. I am your host, Jordan Porter, joined by the ill, illest <laughs> of the ill, <laughs> Yvonne Brandenburg. Oh, uh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean ill in the past like in the best possible way, but also in
2: like a literal way. <laughs> nice. Yeah um i'll take the super cool l yeah but um definitely. i know in theory No, you're gonna hear a lot of me just not knowing what use words <laughs> <laughs> this is how it's gonna go guys you're um uh, yeah words are not gonna be easy for me today i <laughs> may as well just let you guys know because you probably already know um i am covid positive dun 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 um God, it's what, Monday? I think it's Monday, mm-hmm. Labor Day. So it's been about a week. Um, and whew, a fever bus has hit me hard. Um, I'm actually, I mean, I'm feverish right now, just not as high as I've been. So I'm somewhat lucid.
1: <laughs> hopefully you're on the upswing of like all the the crappy, crappy feeling. Like hopefully you've reached your bottom.
2: I hope so. Cook a board. Yeah, I joked because the the highest my temperature got was 102.6, and I did like active cooling. I was like ah, and I like, well, first I tried like, you know, wet washcloths like with the fa- oh, yeah. with the fans because I just didn't have the energy to do a shower, and I was like, well, this isn't working. So then I just took a shower and tried to cool off, and that was I don't know Wednesday or Thursday, and then I've been kind of riding around 101. <laughs> uh but the, fevers the last few days <laughs> fevers
1: have a job and it means your body is working hard so
2: yeah yeah so
1: yeah hence why you're exhausted because your yeah. body is fighting a virus yeah
2: yeah and i talked to my doctor this morning and he's like yep it takes about 5 to 7 days for it to get out of your system he's like you're vaccinated so it shouldn't get any worse and i'm like
1: my god yeah
2: so, yeah yeah because i was like ooh I can take some time off. I'll get some stuff down. Nope. No, my brain does not work enough to get anything done, nor does my body even like walking across my tiny ass house. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, when but I, I had COVID,
1: <laughs> like I, it was so deceiving. Cause like, I would feel pretty good for a little bit. Like mostly mm. after, like right when I woke up, usually I would feel yeah. pretty good. <laughs> And then I would just do something like go walk to the washer and dryer to do a load of laundry. And then I would like all of a sudden
2: just be exhausted. Be exhausted. Yeah, You're like, well, there was all my energy for the day. Cool. Yeah. It was so
1: deceiving. Cause I was like, man, I feel pretty good. I'm on the upswing. Like this is good. And then I'd feel just wrecked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've got a little bit of a cough, but it's not bad. And part of me is like, I know I've been coughing because of all the smoke around here too. So I think it's yeah it's like the smoke plus like we have every freaking fan on in the house possible because it's also a hundred degrees here so it's like hot so it's just like uh, oh god
1: you know what's crazy is I have fall weather here like I I moved 45 Mm. minutes away from my current like my previous house and like I woke up the other morning and it was 59 degrees outside and I was like
0: oh my god
1: which like I've never been excited to be cold except for the fact that I want to start my fireplace Nice, like other than that like I don't want to be cold but um yeah are you gonna get more snow there uh I hope not
2: did you not look at this like weather thing at your place
1: no (laughs) why would I come on now
2: oh lord all right I mean I
1: might I might get more
2: snow but I don't think so well we'll know in a couple of months yeah mark this episode guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I
1: speaking of, um, just crappy immune systems right now, we are talking about feline leukemia and feline immunodeficiency virus. But before we get into that, we did have some housekeeping. Um, I got like the most wonderful message from someone on Instagram. Um, oh, her name nice. was Lauren and she says, hi there. My name is Lauren and I'm a newbie to the field. I officially just hit my first six months as a kennel attendant. And I just wanted to give you all a huge thank you for your podcast. My first six months have been in a very busy understaffed overbooked one vet clinic. Ooh. And so being able to learn a lot of the basics, like how to talk to clients, different diseases and treatments, etc., in such a fun and non-stressful way has been amazing. All caps. Oh um, I seriously feel much more confident in my knowledge and I'm only three episodes in and I can't (laughs) wait to listen to them all. You guys are truly inspiring. And when I first learned about specialties, I am immediately jumped out at me, but I am definitely falling more and more in love with the field. The more I listen, thank you again for all you guys do.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Right. Wasn't that sweet? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being like in a one doctor practice. I, that just sounds insane to me. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little hectic. I wish my doctor would hire another internist just cause I feel bad for him. Cause he works so much.
2: Mm, yeah. You know? Well, and it's like, <laughs> I have to change my vocabulary when I was working at my clinical practice. Right. Um, we had three internal medicine doctors, like in our hospital, um, and then, you know, and then we had like all the other specialties around. And so it was nice because they could definitely like talk to each other and bounce ideas off of each other and like, be like, Hey, come look at this. What do you think?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think
2: I can't imagine just being like a single doctor. Like it must be, I feel like it's a lot of pressure of for stress. him. And, yeah. yeah. I just, it sounds insane. Um, so, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thank you, Lauren, for reaching out. Um, we had a nice little chat on Instagram uh which is funny. She's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you replied." I was like,
2: "Stop."
0: <laughs> don't on, worry, now.
2: guys. We're just like you. We're big dorks and yeah. Yeah. No. You can definitely reach out to us we're, we're... I, I will apologize people. because sometimes I don't get back to everyone quickly um because I get super overwhelmed with all my emails. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You but do have I, a lot of emails.
2: I, yeah, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out. I like, I almost want to hire someone just to like to manage your email. Emails. Just be like, cool. You want to work for me for a couple of hours? I don't know.
1: You know, who Whew. would be great at that? Me because of my <laughs> obsessive compulsive disorder and needing to have everything checked in, like put in a certain like folder.
2: Girl girl, I can't hire you to do that. You have enough stuff for you to do. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. We need to get
2: another person like you. <laughs> I'm sure that
1: you can come across another
2: obsessive person. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I, great. I, I got to figure out how much I'd be willing to pay for something like, that. <laughs> cause right? I'm just like, Jesus. Cause some of like, do you, I don't know if you get them, but I definitely get them. I get these random emails that are like, I have this list of internal medicine doctors for you. And I'm like, wow, cool. Great. Except I'm a veterinary person. So your human internal medicine doctors don't apply at all. So like, it's such a waste of time. So it'd be great for someone to at least get rid of like the crap emails. Uh, (laughs) So I don't even have to look at them, but yeah.
1: So they just first don't world problems,
2: stuff. apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep, Good old first world problems. All right. Well, I guess let's move on to our feline leukemia virus and feline immunodeficiency virus episode. I'm going to talk about feline leukemia first and then kind of come back up and talk about F- FIV before we get to like the treatment, just because as most people know, the treatment is more like supportive care for both of them. Um, so feline leukemia virus is going to be first FELV. It is a retrovirus. And what it does is it replicates within like many different tissues within the body. It replicates within the bone marrow, the salivary glands and the respiratory endothelium or epithelium. Um, so that's why it's so easily spread mm. amongst felines, um, and obviously this is a feline leukemia virus. So we're only going to be talking about cats. It's not in dogs. Dogs no. do get canine leukemia, but it's different.
2: Yeah. It's totally different.
1: It's very different. And I believe we have an episode coming up on that. Um,
2: I think it was on the list of ideas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's actually four different like subgroups of FELV, um wow. that are, yeah, I know. I didn't know this either. Um, there's A B. C and T. So I know I'm like, why did you skip all the rest of the letters? (laughs) Um, but there is a reason why it skipped and went to T. Uh, so almost all the naturally infected cats are usually going to be infected by feline leukemia, a, which is the original, um, form of the virus.
2: Hmm.
0: And then
1: there's mutated forms of the virus. We're all very familiar with mutated forms of viruses,
2: Yvonne. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Why>?
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have the delta.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you probably because you're vaccinated and
2: yeah. Yep.
1: So, and you feel like crap even though you're vaccinated.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, hmm. so the mutated forms are all like subtypes of the feline leukemia A virus. So B, C, or F, um, they can all develop in infected cats. So Wait, it's not
2: B, C or T, right?
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. B, C or T, F, um, but they develop in infected cats. They don't get infected with B, C or T. So hmm. feline leukemia B, what that one does is it increases the frequency of like neoplastic diseases. No big deal. Um, C is usually associated with, um, hypoplasia and then usually also severe anemia. So those are those ones that we'll see those non-regenerative anemias and then okay, T okay. T what it does is it infects and destroys T lymphocytes, usually leading to lymphoid depletion and immunodeficiency, so, which is amazing. Cause it all makes sense, right? Yeah. Like when you think about what we see with feline leukemia virus.
2: Which is weird because like, I just, I just kind of assumed it was all one thing, but.
1: No, it like mutates within the body and like does a specific thing. So we, you either get those anemic feline leukemia viruses, you get those, um,
2: plastic ones, neoplastic or... ones,
1: or you get the like immunodeficient ones.
2: Hmm. Right. That's crazy. So it can stay as an A, but it can mutate into these other ones. Yes. Man,
0: that's
1: crazy. All four of these groups can be detected. They can't be distinguished, but they can be detected by like any diagnostic test for feline leukemia. So, like if you get a positive, you don't know if it's positive for A, B, C, or T. But if say your say your specific cat has feline leukemia C, it's still going to show up positive on our normal test. Interesting. Yeah. So, how, I mean, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, but I wonder if it. Well, I guess that would be pretty, be cr- pretty crappy news to try to determine. But I guess maybe it would prepare you more if you could determine which type of feline leukemia. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess, I, mm. right? There's
1: like probably, it's almost like a lose there's lose. Probably
2: a way to do it because obviously they've identified it. Yeah, for um, sure. So there's probably a way to do it, but it's. I wonder if it's one of those like obviously it's a highly specialized test yeah and it probably costs a ton of money um well and not only that but like you you know they get they get a so we know they have a but at some point it mutates and it's not like we know when that's gonna happen yeah so
1: not until they start um, showing signs of cancer or anemia (laughs) like right huh interesting or just obtaining every infection possible from their immunodeficiency. Um, so transmission can occur two different ways. There's horizontal transmission or vertical transmission. So vertical transmissions usually in utero um, or like through nursing, it's not as common as the horizontal transmission, which is oral nasal contact with either infectious saliva or urine. Um, and horizontal transmission is the most common method of transmission um there <laughs> is studies that show tears and feces which i don't know tears of a cat Aww. cats don't cry yeah they do they don't Yeah, They're they tough. do.
2: <laughs> says the dog owner yeah. <laughs> they get weepy eyes sometimes the long
1: hair ones squished face ones anyway <laughs> They Tears and feces can. can also contain the virus, but it's not considered to be like clinically significant. Yeah. But I feel like if urine can transmit it, I wouldn't be worried about feces because you're still worried about the litter box, right? Like,
2: <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say that's, that's all litter box stuff, which is. Yeah. Annoying.
1: Um, there are studies that show like direct contacts, such as like mutual grooming or shared litter trays, like I just said, or food dishes um our modes of horizontal transmission it's not as high as like bite wounds though obviously I feel like bite wounds is pretty
2: (laughs) can I just say like reading all this is making me have a heart attack
1: why baby cat it'll be okay baby cat will be fine
2: I don't know I haven't taken him in yet because I was gonna take him in this week but that didn't happen um baby cat will be fine baby cat doesn't
1: have any bite bite wounds right now right
2: no but he shares the food with everybody diagnosed with i'm sure they probably mutually groom each other i don't i don't know the status of any of these cats Uh uh-oh
1: yeah you probably should figure that out um anyway so because feline leukemia is considered like a fragile virus, Um, horizontal transmission between adults usually requires prolonged intimate contact. So it's not really just a a one-time deal of drinking out of the same bowl, it it needs to be prolonged. Um, And then there is a dose required for oral nasal transmission and that dose tends to be pretty high too. So yes, transmission can occur pretty easily, but not, not as easily as you would think. Hmm. So aside from the fact that feline leukemia is also like it, it's, it's, it requires prolonged exposure. It's also considered to be like an age dependent disease. So young kittens are obviously at higher risk. Um,
2: Great baby cat.
1: I know. I'm sorry,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but transmission can occur at any age um, just depending on the, the clinical disease course. Yeah. So, what happens inside the body is so once the virus enters the body, it's carried in the blood um, to the spleen, the lymph nodes, epithelial cells of the intestines and the bladder, also carried to the salivary glands, as well as finally the bone marrow. Um, okay. It appears in secretions and excretions of all of those tissues, and then also p- appears in the peripheral blood, um, like leukocytes and platelets. Hmm it just yeah. takes over the whole
2: body. Yeah. Seriously.
1: Yeah. I know. It, you know, like when you're in general practice and you're like, Oh, it's just another feline leukemia case. But then when you get an IM, you're like, Oh, it's just another feline leukemia case.
2: Like, <laughs> right. Well, cause we usually see the FELVs that have transmuted or that have that mutated. mutated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. it's very rare that we just see the, the A's.
1: No, no, no. It's those just are like, healthier. <laughs> Yeah, those are the healthy young kittens who just have feline leukemia, (laughs) you know, which is, it's a bummer because in GP, I didn't, I didn't know in GP that feline leukemia could mutate and cause like immune or like anemia or lymphoma or, you know, like I didn't know it could do all that.
2: I mean, I guess I honestly, I didn't know that until we just talked about it. And, but I mean, I guess it makes sense because I knew that some cats reacted this way to it. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? But I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. I put two and two together that it was like a mutation of the FALV into one of these like subtypes, but it I makes think, sense that that's what it is.
1: Yeah. I think like, cause anytime we have like a lymphoma cat, that's not like a normal GI lymphoma cat, mm. um, or we have an, an anemic cat the first test we do is a feline leukemia test
2: for sure yeah
1: and yeah. so i yeah like like you said i think i kind of put it together but like this episode's making me realize like i wish i would have known it in gp because then you could educate clients as to cuz like i said in gp you have that oh it's just another feline leukemia cat you know right. mentality but we don't educate clients on like well eventually it can cause these issues be aware, you
2: know, monitor for these things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I feel like I could have done a better job at that, like back then, but so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so usually the virus is evident, um, two to four weeks after infection. So there's the acute stage, which is the two to four weeks after usually the acute infection lasts up to six weeks. Um, it's rarely detected, but it can be detected by like mild fever, malaise, lymphadenopathy. Um, and sometimes you might see some cytopenia of their blood values. Hmm. Uh, typically the disorders um, like feline leukemia related disorders include anemia. Like we just talked about neoplasia, immunosuppression, immune mediated diseases, reproductive problems, enteritis, which makes me think too, mm-hmm. that maybe we should be testing our feline GI lymphoma cases for feline leukemia. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, we always ask if they've been tested.
1: Yeah, we do. I don't
2: know if we necessarily like retest Test again, them if they were negative at some point, That's unless I mean, of course it. they're like indoor outdoor. Yeah. But if they're like indoor only and they were tested, then we, we typically don't.
1: Yeah. Um, they can also have neurologi- neurologic neurologic dif- dysfunction as well as stomatitis. I knew about the stomatitis thing.
2: Yeah. I
0: didn't know
1: about the neurologic dysfunction, but that's crazy. Right. Feline leukemia is turning out to be scarier than I think I realized. <laughs> nice. um, so on the differential diagnosis list for feline leukemia, um, mm. I feel like anemia is definitely going to be at the top of the list just because that's usually at least in our field, I feel like that's what we see first. We see the anemia first and then diagnose the feline leukemia.
2: Yeah. It's Um, because we're going, okay, what's causing this anemia? What's the differential for this anemia? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so normally this type of anemia is non-regenerative, which sucks. Mm. um, And it's normal chromic. So it is less commonly like a macrocytosis where they have just a lot of macrocytes Mm. um, or a regenerative hemolytic anemia. That's seen in about 10% of the feline leukemia anemia cases.
0: Crazy.
1: Um, but typically it's non-regenerative because it's bone marrow suppression just due to the virus, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, can also cause because it's bone marrow suppression can also cause platelet, platelet dysfunction, thrombocytopenia, neutropenia are all like possible as well. Um, lymphoma is the most frequently diagnosed malignancy of these felines with this leukemia virus. Mm. Uh, they can also get tumors um, that can be also lymphoma or uh, lymphoid leukemia that can develop. And that happens in about 30% of cats with like severe progressive feline leukemia infections. Hmm. Right? Crazy. I know. Like, I knew none of this until I was typing up these notes and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> Um, and then the immune suppression that's caused by feline leukemia, um, it's kind of what we talk about in a lot of our episodes where it just increases their susceptibility to infections from All bacteria, fungus, protozoal infections, and then of course, other viruses as well. Um, so a lot of times their neutrophils and lymphocytes in their blood can be reduced and, um, the cells that are there in the bloodstream circulating might be dysfunctional. Because you know, immune suppression—that's how that works. (laughs)
2: Right.
1: (laughs) When it comes to diagnosing, I know I'm kind of running through this fast, but it's just because we have to talk about FIV still. (laughs) uh, Um, when it comes to diagnosing, there are three different types of tests for feline leukemia virus. Um, There is the ELISA test. There's testing by IFA and PCR. um, But virus isolation is considered to be the gold standard, but it's not usually like readily available. Uh, there are a lot of like test kits available in house and they're actually pretty sensitive and specific uh, by about 98%. Mm. So IFA testing though requires like sending it off to a lab. Um, and that specific form of test can't really detect the infection until the bone marrow has been involved. So Mm. false negatives can occur because there's lack of bone marrow involvement at the time of testing. So IFA also can't detect like regressive infection because the lack of like the virus being circulated throughout the body, PCR tests on whole blood or bone marrow or other tissues. It is becoming more available at like through our labs that we send things out to, Um, but the sensitivity and specific specificity is lacking usually. I had to slow it down on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> you <got> it, though. <laughs> um, so typically our ELISA testing is more is going to be our go-to for these guys.
2: Nice. Yeah, I, I think that's what we usually do. And then if we get weird results, like we'll we'll send something out to confirm it. But but usually we just do the ELISA tests.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about feline immunodeficiency virus or FIV before we talk about treatment and client communication just because they're going to client
2: communication, so similar. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. So feline immunodeficiency virus, what that does should be pretty self-explanatory by the name, but it decreases right. the function of the immune system. This can occur in domestic and wild cats, which I didn't know. So I'm like, dude, huh. can, a, can a lion get FIV?
2: Wow. Do you think like I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to look it up real quick. I wonder what kind of wild cats, like bobcats, cougars, oh. jaguars.
1: So, okay. So African lions in Eastern and South Southern Africa have the highest prevalence of FIV infection of any wild feline and nearly a hundred of hundred percent of adults infected in several areas.
2: Holy crap. Oh my God. That's so sad. Right.
1: FIV has been present in wild lion populations for prolonged periods, possibly many thousands of years.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: right? Look at us learning today. Poor lions. I know. It makes me feel really bad. Hmm. Which means FIV will never go away.
2: Yeah, probably not.
1: Like never, ever, ever go away. Okay, anyway, so FIV infected cats are actually more likely to acquire other types of infections um, that can affect any other part of their body, including their mouth and gums, their digestive system, their urinary tract, as well as their skin, even. Um, And they are also at risk of developing different types of blood cancers. Poor lions. See, that's all I'm going to think about the rest of this episode. I know. I'm like, FIV.
2: Like, do you, do you, you, you go to like the outreach programs, you're like, oh no, they all have FIV.
1: Could you imagine a whole herd of lions? I mean, like I, I can see why a whole herd of
2: lions would have FIV. Oh, for sure. But it makes me sad. Well, and like, it's not, (laughs) what are you going to vaccinate them? (laughs) Come here, little lion cub. Let me vaccinate you. I'm sure nothing will go wrong during this encounter blow dart it. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm sure you're going to get close enough and mom's going to eat you.
1: Not if she's really sick with FIV and you could just tower on her. True that. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So FIV, what happens with FIV is the the virus spreads from cat to cat and it's typically through biting. So through the saliva, um, kind of like rabies, uh, cats that roam outdoors and male cats and older cats are more likely to become infected. So not typically our younger cats, more likely our older cats. Um, and usually shortly after becoming infected, like really shortly after becoming infected, they will have a mild fever and enlarged lymph nodes as well. Um, those signs really go away. Um, and a cat can appear very, very healthy with no further signs of infection for months to years. So they Mm -hmm. have an acute phase as well. So the feline immunodeficiency virus, it happens to be one of the most common infectious diseases of cats around the world. Obviously we're learning about that as well because I just (laughs) looked up the lion fact, damn lions are just spreading FIV like crazy. So crazy. But it's not really spread with like non-aggressive casual contacts such as things like sharing the water bowls or mutual grooming. Um, it doesn't have an effective route of spreading that virus. Even though saliva can spread the virus, it, it typically is bite wounds. Um, on rare inca- rare occasions, infected mom cats can transmit the infection to their kittens. Um, however, if the mom becomes infected with FIV during the pregnancy, the transmission risk to the kittens is increased. So if she's mm. previously has FIV. It's a lower risk of the kittens getting it, which kind of blows my mind, but I guess because it kind of
2: like her body's fought it. So she probably has some immunoglobulins or whatever. Yeah. And I
1: guess if they're in that stagnant phase of
2: it, that and the load is the, the virus load is probably lower at that point. I would guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, sexual contact is also not a really good means of spreading it. Um, FIV among cats. So lions just be fighting. <laughs> True. Just get along and then FIV will go away. (laughs) I
2: don't think that's what lions do. Just saying.
1: Well, maybe one day. All right. So there are three phases of infection with FIV, the acute, the asymptomatic or latent phase um, in the progressive phase. So the acute phase usually occurs within one to three months after the initial infection. And like I said, that's where um, they'll usually get that fever in large lymph nodes. And what happens is the virus is carried to the lymph nodes That's where it reproduces um, in white blood cells, known as T lymphocytes. And then the virus will then spread to other lymph nodes throughout the body, um, usually resulting in like lymph node enlargement. That it's it's temporary, but it's there. They can also have um, some mild depression, fever and lack of appetite. Mm. This phase is usually very mild um, and it's often missed by owners or people caring for these felines. I don't know why I keep calling them felines today instead of just cats.
2: <laughs> Maybe I just feel fancy. <laughs> You're like feline leukemia virus, feline amino deficiency, feline. Yeah. That's why just, it just
1: feels appropriate. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I was going to say cats, but it, it just doesn't sound right now. So f- f- felines will <laughs> then enter an asymptomatic phase, which can also last for months to years. Um, and what happens during this phase is the virus is still replicating. It's just replicating much slower within the cells of the immune system. So Mm. it's not fast enough for cats to show any signs of an infection or illness. And then infected cats can exhibit some blood work abnormalities. And that's typically things like low white blood cell levels or increased blood proteins like our globulins. Um, but cats will remain in the stage and never progress. Some cats, not all cats. Some cats will remain in the stage for a while and never progress to more severe disease. However, the ones that do progress to a more severe disease will progress to the immunocompromised state. Um, And this is the state where they are very, very susceptible to secondary infections. And most of these illnesses related to FIV is not from the virus itself, but usually just from the secondary infections. So they'll get like, um, bladder infections, more readily respiratory infections, more readily, um, abscesses, things like that. Pretty, pretty easily.
2: Yeah. That's um, usually when we start seeing them.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, those feline friends can develop chronic or recurrent infections of the skin eyes, urinary tract or upper respiratory tract. Uh, they can get pretty severe stomatitis and severe dental disease um, or gingivostomatitis. It's very, very common in cats with FIV and they're more likely to develop cancer or immune-mediated blood, blood disorders than our healthy cats. Uh, they can also show signs of weight loss, um, behavioral changes, seizures, neuro- neurologic disorders. Those are all possible as well. Um, and the severity of the illness can just really vary from cat to cat. Um, but once a cat will become ill with like multiple different infections or cancers survival time is usually no more than a few months. So it's really once those cats get into that progressive stage that things, I mean, it's called the progressive stage. So <laughs>
2: oh man, that sucks.
1: Yeah. Like, I wonder how many of the lions I'm stuck on the lion thing, obviously, <laughs> how many of the lions are just stagnant in the, Asymptomatic phase and never progress to the progressive phase?
2: I mean, probably most of them because once they get to progressive, I'm sure they get picked off.
1: Probably, yeah. They probably just like off each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so to diagnose FIV, it's also a blood sample. Um, and what it does is it looks for the presence of antibodies. And that's usually per- performed with an ELISA test as well. And that can happen in office as well. Um, but positive results can be confirmed using the Western blot or an IFA essay um, that you can send off to the lab. And what those tests do is it checks for antibodies to FIV virus rather than like the virus itself. Just because there's a few times when a single test is not sufficient to determine if a cat
0: truly is
1: infected with FIV or not. So, for both of these viruses, um, there's not a lot of reports on like treating the actual virus itself. There's been a couple studies done, um, but nothing's been confirmed to really be anecdotal to either one of these. Hmm. So, as for client communication, because a lot of our clients are gonna ask, well, how do I keep my pet safe? Or how do I make sure that it doesn't spread kind of thing? Luckily, both of these viruses are pretty unstable. Feline leukemia is more unstable in the environment. And so it's very susceptible to all common detergents and disinfectants. So it's pretty easy to clean. Um, FIV is very unstable as well. And it will not typically survive more than a few hours in most environments. there is the FVLV vaccine that can protect cats against the feline leukemia infection, or at least reduce the likelihood of persistent, like viremia, um, persistent symptoms of the virus. And that type of virus is, or that type of vaccine is a killed whole virus. And it's pretty effective according to manufacturer claims, which is pretty good, mm. but there is no benefit of vaccinating in already feline leukemia positive cat.
2: Right, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So just a matter of talking to clients about vaccinating their cats for the feline leukemia prior to infection preferably. Right. <laughs> and then um, just clean, like if they've already have a feline leukemia or FIV positive cat in their house, talking to them about cleaning and disinfectants, um, replacing food or water dishes or litter pans or toys, Usually for FIV, like a dilution of household bleach um, is really good at disinfecting, vacuuming and mopping, which I feel like from a client communication standpoint, it's almost a little like embarrassing to talk to a client about like, well, make sure you vacuum and mop with a, per-, you know, with cleaner and right. <laughs> like, you know, cause obviously like normal cleaning, just inform clients that normal cleaning is going to get rid of this virus. Well, both
0: viruses. So.
2: Nice. Um, especially if you've got cats in your household already. I mean, I think that's one of the things like, hopefully you're testing before, you know, bringing them into that environment. Um, especially if you don't have FVLV or FIV in your environment, test the, the animals before um, you introduce them. And if, you know, if you do have a, um, I think it's, I mean, You can have an FIV or FELV positive animal in your house, even if you, you know, you have other cats that aren't positive. As long as, you know, nobody's fighting with each other, as long as you're going to be properly cleaning. um, Ideally, you would vaccinate the other animals that, um, you know, aren't FELV or FIV positive just to help, you know, prevent them from getting it. Um, You know, it used to be that they were death sentences to, mm-hmm. to these guys, but it doesn't have to be, um, you know, they can have a single cat home or, you know, vaccinated cats with them. So just because do, they have it doesn't mean, you
1: know, no, but I'm I do think a, that there should be some education as to what could happen in the future. And that can come from the veterinarian, obviously too, just cause yeah. Prognosis wise, like not like they can give an accurate prognosis prognosis fully is dependent on what the virus decides to do in the body. So it's just nice to give the clients a heads up, like, Hey, check, like, make sure that you keep an eye out for your cat. If they start exhibiting strange behavior, um, a lot of cats, when they become anemic, will just start like licking walls or licking floors. Um, so there's, um, just a little bit of like additional education that I wish I would have done when I was in GP. Yeah.
0: It's the tip of the week.
1: Tip of the week this week, I think would be just try to educate clients as to, or like talk with your veterinarian about how to better educate clients as to how to inform them of possible future problems that they, they can see with their cats Um, in the future, obviously Uh, just because knowing me, like knowing what I didn't know then and what I do know now, I do wish that like if I had a feline leukemia or FIV positive cat, that someone will probably give me a heads up as to potential complications down the road. Um, so I'm sure there's great handouts for it too that kind of explain it as well. But better coming from veterinary staff than Dr. Google.
2: I would say, because we just kind of, we were, we were thinking about, you know, it'd be good for like a brochure. Um, If you go to the American Association of Feline Practitioners or catvets.com, I love catvets.com. They have client resources and they have some brochures that you can actually um, download and print. Uh, And they have one that is uh, for FELV and FIV, which is pretty cool. So you can either, you know, order them online or print them yourself kind of depending on what you want to look at. Um, so that's kind of a good option as far as like having some sort of information for clients. Um, Cause again, <laughs> we don't necessarily want them to, uh, you know, go Googling things. Cause you know, they get all sorts of crazy stuff and there's some information to it. Um, Cornell university
0: they have yeah, some information, really information about FELV,
2: Yeah. And there's also on veterinary partner. So um, there's, there's a, there's one about uh, FELV. I'm sure they probably have one in FIV as well. Yeah. So you can either, you know, just use some of these client handouts, or if you want to create some of your own for your practice, I mean, that's definitely an idea too.
1: For sure, that's a good idea.
0: And now for the question of the week: How old
2: were you when you found out that there's different subtypes of FIV? <laughs> how old were you
0: when
2: you?
1: People. How old were you when you found out lions can get FIV? <laughs> I know, right?
2: Because
1: I was today years old,
2: right?
1: Which is uh, dumb because it's feline leukemia virus or feline immunodeficiency virus, and lions are felines.
2: I know, but it's like one of those things, like you know think about it in lions or tigers interesting Mm -mm. so
1: all right well uh, we should let Yvonne get back to resting
2: (laughs) right I'm like I'm fading fast Jordan I'm fading it's okay.
1: I understand. So, no worries. I hope everybody learned a little bit this week about feline leukemia virus, feline immunodeficiency virus. If you have any questions, please reach out. If you want to talk, please reach out. If you want to just say hi, reach out and I'll say hi back for sure. And so will Yvonne maybe when she's feeling a little bit better. <laughs> um, but thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Um, and thanks for all the kind words we've been getting recently. And we hope everybody has a great week. Keep getting your learn on and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe. So you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.